It's late December 1997, and Burger King franchisee Julian Josephson feels like a kid on Christmas Day. He's watching a delivery truck driver load box after box into one of his San Diego restaurants. Inside those boxes are Burger King's new fries, fries that the mustachioed Josephson hopes are the chain's salvation. Josephson has heard lots about these fries from the Burger King head office. He's been told each fry is coated with starch to keep them hotter for longer and to add extra crunch. He's heard these fries are so good that in company-run taste tests, 57% of people preferred them to McDonald's world-famous fries. But Josephson hasn't tasted these fries yet. Until now, Burger King head office has been keeping the circle of people in the know tight. He rips open one of the boxes, pulls out a bag of frozen fries, and heads into the restaurant kitchen. The new fries are here. Let's try some before we open. What do you say? A female employee peers at the instructions printed on the bag. She loads the fries into the fryer and watches the oil bubble. When she pulls the basket back up, she's dismayed. The fries are all clumped together. I guess I botched those. She dumps the congealed mess into the trash and starts again. She brings Josephson the second batch of fries. Uh, Sorry about the wait. The first batch, something went wrong. The pair grab handfuls of the fries and start munching. Josephson's hopes shatter as he chomps his way through the fries. They're real tough, and I'm not getting much of a potato taste here. Are you sure you cooked them right? Josephson and his crew aren't the only ones disappointed. Burger Kings across the U.S. are discovering that even the smallest deviations from the cooking instructions result in fries that are all crunch, no flavor. But it's too late to do anything. A $70 million marketing campaign is already underway. And on January 2nd, 1998, Burger King's new fries arrive with a barrage of TV commercials starring... Mr. Potato Head. Burger King is introducing incredibly delicious new fries. A special guest is about to read. Here he is. Let's see. Oh, on behalf of Burger King, it's a privilege to introduce the fries that'll change history. The crispy new Burger King fries beat McDonald's fries in a nationwide taste test. Intrigued, people flock to Burger King to try them. In the next six months, Burger King sells 150 million more fries than in the first half of 1997. But the new fries are not winning people over. If anything, the fries are driving customers away. By late 1999, Burger King restaurants are buying 14% fewer fries. By the time Burger King revamps its fries in spring of 2001, the company's lost precious market share. But McDonald's is in no position to savor Burger King's self-inflicted misfortune. And that's because it's about to post its first loss in nearly 40 years. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, 
Get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines. And every step along the way, you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S. And Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. In the last episode, Burger King hit pay dirt by dissing McDonald's and Wendy's. But after Wendy's fired back with its Where's the Beef campaign, Burger King lost its nerve and precious market share. But Burger King's not alone in having a bad start to the new century. McDonald's growth is stagnating. And with so many restaurants, the company's also got a target on its back. Competitors like Starbucks and Subway are after its customers. And McDonald's is public enemy number one for health campaigners and anti-globalization activists. Activists who bang their drums often and loudly. For nearly half a century, the Golden Arches have repelled these changes in competition and tastes. But they are about to force big changes at the hamburger giant. This is Episode 6, Superfan Supernova. Late November 2002. Inside his grand custom-built home in Oak Brook, Illinois, Jim Cantalupo is wasting his days. The silver-haired former boss of McDonald's International is still adjusting to early retirement. He may have retired months ago at age 58, but he still thinks about McDonald's every day. Cantalupo's heading to the kitchen to make a cup of coffee when his cell phone rings. He looks at the number. It's McDonald's chairman, Fred Turner. Fred, good to hear from you. Hi, Jim. I hope you're doing well, but look, this isn't a social call. I've got a very important question for you. I'm listening. If we made you CEO of McDonald's, Jim, would you come back? It's the last thing Cantalupo was expecting. But he can't pretend he's not pleased. He's dreamed about this opportunity ever since he started at McDonald's. Of course I would. I've always wanted to run the company. Truth is, Cantalupo retired because he was passed over for the CEO post. And Cantalupo knows he'll be taking the helm at a challenging time. Sales have been flagging for two years. That's a relief because we need you. We're in trouble. We're about to post our first quarterly loss since going public in 65. 
We need a fast turnaround, Jim. In January 2003, Cantalupo arrives at headquarters and hits the ground running. He forms a task force to improve food quality, and he applies the brakes on opening new McDonald's in the U.S. And, in a nod to health food pressures, he introduces premium salads. He also charges Chief Marketing Officer Larry Light with fixing the brand's tired image. Light responds by challenging McDonald's global network of ad agencies to develop a single, unified identity for the chain. An identity that can give people a better reason to eat at their restaurants than because it's convenient and cheap. It's May 2003, and Light is in Munich, Germany. He's on a global tour visiting McDonald's ad agencies to hear their suggestions. What he's heard so far has left Light cold. But he's hoping today's visit to McDonald's German ad agency will be different. When Light arrives, Jürgen Knaus bounds over to him. Knaus is the agency's 65-year-old boss. He's wearing a garish blue shirt with a pattern that resembles a scrambled barcode. Knaus leads Light into a stylish, sparsely furnished meeting room and begins his presentation. We asked ourselves, what is McDonald's? McDonald's is a fun place to be. A visit to McDonald's is one of life's simple pleasures. From these reflections, we came up with the slogan, Ich liebe es. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't speak German. Ich liebe es means, I love it. It's timeless. Everyone on earth understands the concept of love. It's adaptable too. Hmm, not bad. It's got potential. There's more. A global identity must be understood regardless of language. So why stop at mere words? We've created an audio signature that, just like the slogan, is instantly recognizable and flexible enough to be used with any genre of music. It goes, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, ba-da-ba-ba-da, almost. It's easier to understand with music. Let me play an example. Knaus starts the room's CD player. Light leans forward. Play that again. Knaus presses a button on the CD player. That evening, Light flies out of Munich with a ba-da-ba-ba-ba refrain stuck in his head. He knows he's just found what he's looking for. In the weeks that follow, the slogan's English version becomes the more informal I'm loving it, and in September 2003, pop idol Justin Timberlake introduces McDonald's new brand to the world. Move your feet, rock to the beat, hungry for the music, gotta eat. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. By January 2004, McDonald's new global brand, improved food and other changes, have given the corporation its sizzle back. The company's back in the black and its sales and stock price are rising fast. Even the criticism leveled at McDonald's in the anti-fast food documentary Super Size Me, that its food causes serious health problems, can't derail the chain's comeback. Burger King looks on with envy. Its sales are still shrinking, 
and Wendy's is poised to replace it as America's number two hamburger chain. Burger King knows it's got to do something radical to retain its crown. It's January 2004, and in the Miami office of ad agency Crispin Porter Bogusky, Andrew Keller's cell phone rings. He's the agency's boyish-looking creative chief. Andrew Keller speaking. Hello, this is Russ Klein, chief marketing officer at Burger King. Keller perks up. Some work from Burger King would be sweet. Hey, Russ, what can I do for you? We want your agency to pitch a campaign to us. Something surprising. We think you're the kind of creative boutique that can really deliver here. Sounds fun. What's the brief? We're introducing a chicken sandwich in April called the Tender Crisp. It's breaded, deep-fried chicken filet with mayo, lettuce, and tomato on a brioche bun. We need everything from TV ads and a website to messaging on our drink cups. Uh, sorry, did you say the Tender Crisp launches in April? I did. That's why I want to hear your pitch next week. The team will have barely three months to create a whole campaign. It's an extremely tight deadline. But the agency cannot miss this opportunity. A week later, Keller and his team are at Burger King's headquarters. They've been working around the clock, but the adrenaline is keeping them going. Keller opens his laptop and begins his pitch. Today, people want to express themselves and feel unique. So we're going to reinterpret Burger King's have-it-your-way message for the present day. Keller taps a key on his laptop. A photograph of a man in a chicken suit appears on the screen. Klein's both shocked and puzzled. This he didn't expect. What the? Meet the subservient chicken. The personification, if you will, of having chicken your way. Like Burger King, he does what you request. The subservient chicken will star in the TV ads, but the thing that will make the public go nuts is his internet debut. On the interactive website, users can make him do stuff, like jump around or or dance. It's just the sort of unexpected campaign Burger King needs. By the time Keller finishes, Klein's grinning ear to ear. I love it. I want you to make the subservient chicken campaign. I need it by next month. Despite the daunting deadline, Keller's thrilled. But Klein's got more. We got to do this with all our marketing. This will definitely appeal to our 19 to 35-year-old men. And that's who we have to draw in if we're going to stay ahead of Wendy's. So I'm giving you the Burger King account. All $350 million of it. Keller and his team look at each other, mouths open. They would have been happy with a one-off job from Burger King. Instead, they've landed one of the biggest ad accounts in fast food. Klein's faith is well-placed. In late March, Keller returns to give Klein a preview of the subservient chicken website. Here it is. Klein sees a grainy webcam image of a man wearing a chicken suit and garters standing in a living room. In a text box below the image, a flashing cursor is waiting. What should I type? Whatever you want the chicken to do. Klein types, hop on one leg, and presses return. A few seconds later, the chicken guy starts hopping. Ha! Okay, 
What about this? The chicken man starts moonwalking around the room. No way! How many things can he do? A few thousand. If you type anything we don't have footage of, he wags his finger to say no. On April 7, 2004, the subservient chicken goes live. But there's little fanfare. Instead, agency employees email the link to a few friends. But those friends tell their friends. Who tell their friends. Who tell, well, you get the picture. Within 24 hours, the website's been visited a million times. The subservient chicken has become a web sensation. If you drive people to a website where they can give a subservient chicken orders in a really kind of seamy living room that looks like a low-quality porn film, people are going to be interested. This will go down as one of the marketing case studies of all times called viral marketing. Within a week, the subservient chicken is a viral internet sensation. Millions head to the site to see what they can get Burger King's chicken guy to do. Encouraged, Burger King and its new ad agency double down on offbeat campaigns targeting the chain's young male superfans. They reinvent the Burger King as a creepy monarch in a plastic face mask who sneaks into people's beds. Burger King is also ready for some hijinks. How would people feel if they ordered a Whopper but got something else instead? The cameras are hidden, the customers are real, the reactions are authentic. This is Whopper Freakout. Number one. It resorts to playing pranks on its own customers for its ads, giving them a Wendy's burger instead of a Whopper. Okay, that's a Wendy's burger. I know. That's what was in the bag. Okay, let's... Okay. I'm not trying to pull any scam on you. I want my Whopper. I like it, but you guys make it. I have for a long time. I come in here a lot. You know, just throw it away. The campaigns aren't universally appealing, but they are effective. The ads boost sales, especially with its superfans, and that helps Burger King widen its lead over Wendy's. The years of misfires and decline seem over. But then, in September 2008... It was a manic Monday in the financial markets... The Dow tumbled more than 500 points after two pillars of the street tumbled over the weekend. Manic Monday is a dark day for banks, and they're tanking the Dow. The nation's debt time bomb has just exploded, and Burger King is only one of the casualties. It's been spending hundreds of millions of dollars on ad campaigns, primarily aimed at the average Joe. And his expendable income just evaporated. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance. Or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. 
Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. It's December 2011, and the mood in Burger King's headquarters is glum. The global economic downturn is hitting the blue-collar 18- to 35-year-old man Burger King's been courting hard. Many are unemployed, and those with jobs are spending less, dragging down Burger King sales. And now, the company's worst nightmare has come true. Now, for the first time since being founded in 1969, Wendy's is poised to pass Burger King as America's second most popular fast food establishment. Aided by its older, more recession-proof customer base and ads pushing its fresh, never-frozen burgers and skin-on fries, Wendy's has just replaced Burger King as America's number two burger chain. It's bad news for Burger King's new owners, 3G Capital, who bought the company in 2010 for $3 billion. Luckily, 3G thinks it knows just the man to revive Burger King's fortunes. It's summer 2013, and there's a new face in the kitchen at one of Burger King's Miami restaurants. The new guy is a thin, brown-haired 32-year-old called Daniel Schwartz. And he's stressed. He's trying to assemble a Carolina barbecue whopper. And he's making quite a mess of it. Schwartz grabs the bottom half of an artisan bun and places a just-cooked beef patty on top. The restaurant manager watching him steps in. Uh, sorry, that's wrong. A Carolina barbecue whoppers use sesame seed buns. Schwartz starts over. Sesame seed bun, patty... Slice of Monterey Jack cheese. The manager jumps in again. No, 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 no. It's Pepper Jack for this one. I'm sorry. I suck at this. There are so many menu options. I can't keep them all straight. Schwartz is learning the hard way. What's not working at Burger King. But he's no trainee. He's actually Burger King's new CEO. He's here because he wants to understand what the business looks like on the ground floor. And it's proving to be a real wake-up call. After several weeks moonlighting as a Burger King crew member, Schwartz starts scaling back the menu and simplifies the cooking processes. Then, he adds non-burger items like wraps and premium coffees to broaden Burger King's appeal beyond the superfans. Burger King might have spent years making fun of meatless fare like quiche, but Schwartz wants the chain to also appeal to people seeking something lighter than an onion rings, bacon, and barbecue sauce topped rodeo king burger. Schwartz changes work. In early 2015, Burger King sneaks past Wendy's and reclaims its status as America's number two burger chain. By the summer, Burger King's even feeling confident enough to offer an olive branch to its old rival, McDonald's. August 26, 2015, McDonald's headquarters, Oak Brook, Illinois. 
McDonald's CEO Steve Easterbrook looks at the full-page ad in the New York Times that's just been put in front of him by the corporation's media team. It's an open letter to McDonald's from Burger King. In the letter, Burger King suggests the two companies mark World Peace Day by calling a ceasefire in the burger wars and opening a pop-up restaurant in Atlanta that will sell, for one day only, a burger called the McWhopper. The ad gets media attention. Millions of dollars worth of attention. Yes. yes. This, this is That's the New York gross. Times today. There was an ad that was taken out by Burger King. To McDonald's when Burger King asks McDonald's to join forces to create the ultimate burger. The McWhopper. McDonald's PR rep asks Easterbrook how he wants to respond to Burger King's invitation. Easterbrook tosses the newspaper aside. Well, we're not doing a McWhopper, that's for sure. The McWhopper was an attention-grabbing development in the burger battle, a soft lob by Burger King. But the truth is, it's been years since Burger King really threatened McDonald's for burger supremacy. And the reason is simple math. Today, McDonald's boasts twice as many restaurants as Burger King. As a result, McDonald's spends as much time battling Starbucks, Taco Bell, and Subway as it does the home of the Whopper. And the jockeying between all those competitors will go on. In years to come, some may fail and other chains may join the fray. But it was Burger King and McDonald's that took the humble hamburger and weaponized it to build global empires and in the process, change the eating habits of the entire world. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We hope you enjoyed this series and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe over the cover art, and you'll also see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. Hey, if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. There's another way you can support us. Just answer a short survey at wondery.com survey. And while you're there, don't forget to tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Emily Frost edited this story. Our editor and producer is Jenny Lauer Beckman. Sound designed by Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez for Wondering. Hey, I'm Mike Corey, the host of Wandery's show, Against the Odds. In our next season, I'm telling an amazing true story about American sailors who wrecked their ship off the coast of Africa in 1815. They're captured by a nomadic tribe. To escape, they will need to cross the largest hot desert in the world to reach civilization. They will battle against blistering heat, inhumane conditions, hunger, and thirst. Their heroic fight to get home will have a much greater impact than just on their own lives. It will influence a future president 
and change the course of American history in ways that are still felt today. This is the true story of the men who made it, and it's one that you don't want to miss. Subscribe to Against the Odds on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, The Wondery App, or wherever you're listening right now.